0: This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. I wish stuff like that would happen a little more often. I know that the booth is really mad at me saying that, but I like, I like messy church. Because you can walk into a perfectly prepared room in which this room was And certain things can happen outside of your control in a church that has no vision, has no passion, has no life, and everybody gets mad. Or it can happen in a house like this with people who could care less about presentation and performance. They just want to meet Jesus today in a real way. Well, happy Father's Day. Come on, give it all up to the daddies in the room. Happy Baby Daddy Day. Glad you're here at church today. Glad to see you. I want to welcome those of you here for the very first time. Church, like we know you know how to do, say welcome to those that are here for the first time. Glad to have you here. When you walked in the worship center doors, you were given a a worship guide from a smiling face inside that worship guide is a connection card. Sometime during the message today and during the response time afterward, um, fill it out. Let us know you're here. Kelly and I want to send you a personal letter, to tell you thank you for coming, give you some next steps, and you'll have a chance to uh, drop that off on your way out today. And also, right after this service, we got people getting baptized today. Yeah. Oh man, devil's getting a bunch of black eyes today. Every summer we go to summer school as a church and that might have a negative connotation to you, but here it's a good thing because what we do is we dive in to a certain topic together every summer. And this year we're diving into a book written by a husband and wife couple, Ashley and Heather Holloman. And what they did is they wrote this book based on some life experiences and then they brought scripture to it of how to invite other people to Jesus by living like a sent person. Every one of you, you're not in your HOA, your apartment complex, your job, that cubicle. You're not in that grocery store. You're not in that school, your kids' sports teams. You're not in that PTA, any of that on accident. We believe God put you there on purpose. And that in order to truly find your purpose in life, we have to understand what God's purposes first are. And that is living as a sent person. Everyone say this with me. Say saved Saved equals equals sent. sent. Say it again. Say saved Saved equals equals sent. Now, if you've been saved by grace through faith, through Jesus Christ alone, he's the only way to heaven, he's the only person that can connect you to God. If you're saved by, faith, saved by grace through faith, then that means you are a sent person, no exemptions. You're a sent person into that sphere of influence that you're in. Now, I gotta tell you, in order for God to preach it through me and Kelly and anyone else we allow up here, they gotta preach it, God's gotta preach it to us first. And I'm telling you, this stuff hurts me being sent. I'm like I'm like I, now I got to take my headphones out. I've been on a lot of airplanes in the last couple of weeks and the most uh, recent one I was flying back from Tulsa, Oklahoma um, on Friday night and it was really it was pretty late and I was sitting at Houston Bush International and we were um, just sitting there and I, ha- I had my headphones in and then I really felt convicted and if you if you some of you guys like traveling, some of you don't like traveling. Like there's two people in the world, people that love airplanes, people that hate airplanes. You know, it's like and I'm in the hate airport kind of category. And I just wanna get, just get me there. I'd rather drive all day long, sit however I want, spread out however I want, listen to whatever I want, and have people that only we birth sneeze on me. That's all, like I'd rather drive anywhere all day long and see the country and not see clouds. I'd rather drive anywhere, but I'm in an airplane. This is the time needed it, time required it. And I I looked, I was just kind of closing my eyes because the plane was delayed because a flight attendant forgot her flight and was eating dinner at Chili's. True story. So I'm sitting there going like as an organizational leader, I'm sitting there thinking about all the, all the systems failures that participated in her said bad decision. So as I'm like doing business with the Lord alone, I had set my bags down right in front of my feet. And I've been waiting in this, this line for uh, boarding was about 45 minutes late, which is nothing in an airport, right? I mean, it's some of you guys have had to sleep there before. Like it's, that was a pretty easy one. But for me, I was ready to get home and see my family and, and, I, and I, I saw all of your faces. I'm not joking. It's like, not a joke. I saw all of your faces looking at me exactly like you're looking at me right like Chance, exactly like he's looking at me right now. I saw the mustache and everything looking at me. <laughs> and I really felt convicted by God. God said, take your headphones off. And I was like, well, I mean, obviously, I overheard you talking to someone else in line. Like, our radio signals got crossed. No, take your headphones out. So I took out my AirPods, and I put them in my little case, put them back in my pocket like a hipster, and I stood there. I'm like, well, now that I can't listen to anything, now what am I doing here? So I turned around, and I was just kind of looking around, and people were like, oh, and I was like, I know, right? And like, you know, it's like how everybody grumbles together like the Israelites. <laughs> And I look around and I see this guy's wearing a nice dress shirt and, and like nice slack. This dude, like, this dude it looks nice. He's dressed really nice. You know, it's like you can tell they're, they're not cheap clothes. And I was like, this guy looks really nice. And I saw at the corner there was a little Chase Bank logo. And I know the logo because the church banks with Chase. And I was like, okay, well, I turn around and I said, well, we're in the San Antonio line. And I was like, hey. So I tried it. I said, hey, do you know John Turry? If you don't know John Turry, he was in her first service and we, all, we made him wave at everybody. Uh, John Turry's on our board of trustees. He also is like a big wig, fancy like title guy at Chase. I don't know what his title is, but he's important. <laughs> and, and I looked at and said, hey, do you know John Turry?" And he goes, I just got off the phone with him. I'm his boss. I was like, you don't say. And he said, I'm Brian, his boss. I said, I'm Landon, his pastor. And we had this whole conversation and by the end of it, I said, you know what? Let me tell you a few things about John. And I us began to tell him about how faithfully he was, a great dad, all this stuff. I said, I think he deserves a 100% raise. So we're, <laughs> let's all pray and believe John gets 100% raise. I was in a, uh, another airport and, and I, I was sitting down ordering some French fries and just waiting on the flight because I had about a two hour layover um, because I live here in San Antonio. has no direct flights to anywhere except Houston and Dallas. And so I'm sitting there for my layover and, and, uh, and, and I felt the same thing. I had my headphones in. I was, like, watching um, something like a, like, some basket, like, or baseball failures, like, you know, balls hitting birds. It was like just I was just trying to pass the time with something dumb. So I was, like, like watching baseball fail videos. And I don't even really like baseball. But that was funny. And uh, probably bird enthusiast. I'm sorry. It's still funny. And I was sitting there watching, and I heard the same thing. Because I kept feeling this dude look at my phone, like he was wanting to hear it. So I just took my AirPods out, put them in my pocket, turned my phone off, and I looked over there, and he was having a hard time. He wasn't looking at my video. He was, like, trying to figure out why the QR code wasn't working for him to order his food. And I looked over there, and, and I said, hey, um, I did it again. And I was like, hashtag sent. Why, is I, why am I sitting next to this dude? And he was having a hard time with his phone. I said, hey, are you, is your QR code not working? He goes, no, it's not working. And I've had a rough day, a stressful day, and, like, the contract didn't go through. And he, I was like, whoa. I was like, okay. Um, I was like, hey, let me order your food. My phone's working. He goes, no, 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 you're not going to do that. I was like, I'm all, I'm doing it. What do you want to eat? So he told me what he wanted to eat, and then he ordered uh, Modelo, because you can't order Bud Light anymore. So he ordered Modelo. <laughs> oh, come on. That's funny. <laughs> you can laugh. Chill, everybody. Chill. <laughs> anyway, so we got into the conversation and um, he starts telling me about some stuff that's going on in his life. And he said he likes hiking. He lives in New Mexico. And I was like, I love New Mexico. He's like, I'll buy anything for anyone from there. New- I love New Mexico. The mountains, just the, the culture. And they put green chilies on everything. And I love hatch green chilies. I'll put it on anything. And, and we were starting, so we connected over hatch green chilies he's like, man, you know a lot about New Mexico. I was like, well, I was raised in West Texas. It's basically New Mexico. He's like, no way. He, he's from Hobb. I'm like, oh, my gosh, so I drove through there a million times. And we had this whole conversation. And then it got to where I was like, do you like hiking? He goes, I love hiking. Albuquerque, Santa Fe, all of that. I said, well, who do you go with? He goes, I just go alone. I was like, alone? I was like, is that like an on-purpose thing? And he goes, no, I just don't have anyone to go with. Door. <laughs> I said, well, man, I know a lot of great people in like that area of the country like why like why do you think that is? Like I, I could connect you, and he's like, I just just working home, working home, working home, working home. Which is typical, right? Maybe some of you here are in that place too. Anyway, it turned into a beautiful conversation about the local church was born for community. And that God set you right next to a pastor. And I said that he didn't know I was a pastor. I said God chose to sit you right next to a pastor to buy you beer. Now, think whatever you want. If you're religious, you won't like it here anyway. I was like, so I was like, well. <laughs> and, and I said, man, how about this? Next time I go, give me your card. And he wrote a cell phone number. I said, next time I'm going through New Mexico, I'll call you. We'll go hiking. And I'll introduce you to some people. And then we'll, then you can buy me a beer. And he was like, all right. And I said, well, bro, I got I to go get to my flight. But I just want to let you know, God knew this was going to happen and he's got a destiny and a call on your life. Uh, Have a good flight, call me anytime. That was Friday night. So this whole scent thing, not easy for me, but it's so much more fun. I could have just sat there all ticked off watching baseballs kill birds by myself or made a connection with Craig. It could have changed his life forever. I may never see Craig again, but it could change his life forever. I may never see John Turry's boss again, but hopefully John gets loaded because we need that church bill. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, y'all were thinking it. Someone say saved equals sent. Saved sent. The word church is a Greek word, ekklesia. It means called out ones into your sphere of influence. That's what the word church means. It doesn't mean called in ones to sit here in warm and uncomfortable chair, drink free coffee and go home the same. That's not what it means. Now, and now, if you've been coming to church for a long time, then that should convict you. If you're new to church, now listen. If you're brand new to church, listen to this. God brought you here because he loves you. He's not just gonna let you stay in that same place in your life. If you say yes to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made in your entire life. And all the saved people said, amen. 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 Called out ones. But as Christians, we've been given a new identity as sent ones, but what is God sending us into? let talk about that for a minute. And the, the, the number pictures don't look too rosy. Look up on the screen. Pew Research said Christianity is falling at a rapid pace. 65% of adults worldwide describe themselves as Christian. You're like, oh, that's not that bad. That's not that bad, but it's down 12% in a decade. Atheism as a Gnosticism and the option nothing in particular has risen seventeen percent in the last decade. You're know, like Lenny Well, that's the world. Who cares about the world? Like obviously, well, we do. Um, but let's let's get closer to our neck of the woods. Shirts and cibola, um have a sixty-six percent no religious affiliation. So six to seven out of 10 people you meet claim atheism, agnosticism, I don't care, or nothing in particular. So seven out of 10 people you're in the cashier's line with at HEB. Seven out of 10 homes you walk by in your neighborhood. Now here's the kicker. You guys ready to feel the weight of these stats? Austin, Texas is 54%. We have a 12% higher no religious affiliation than Austin, Texas. Now, those of you that aren't from Texas, you're like, whatever. For those of you that are from Texas, that's a really big deal. You're like, no one in Austin is saved. Like, why? You go there because you're not. I know it freaked me out too. I was like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Shirts and Sibolo. seven out of 10 people not only don't go to church, they claim they don't want to and never will. It's not like a I've been thinking about it stat. It's a I'm not gonna stat. And it just blew my mind. In Belmont Park alone, there's 646 homes. About the same in Riata. So let's say there's 1,300 homes within a rock's throw of where you're sitting right now. Thousands of people in two subdivisions don't know Jesus. Saved equals sent. Even how Kelly and I got into our home here was a miracle. God made every door open. We were the seventh offer. The six offers before us fell through, and we got it. And it was a foreclosure, a VA foreclosure. And we ended up getting the home. It was a very difficult process to buy. Even our realtor looked at us and said, please don't buy this house, his exact words. And I was like, why are you afraid of hard work? You know, like, please don't buy, what do you mean? What does that mean? He goes, no, it's going to be hell. I'm telling you, it's VA owned. They're going to kill you. Like this is, not only did we buy it, but the VA paid for all the closing costs. We got the government to give us free money for a home to get it off their rolls, God knew one day there'd be a church in this building and the pastors needed to live 0.7 miles from here. God's up to something in your life too. God's up to something in your life. Now, Christianity might be declining in North America and in Western Europe, but did you know that Christianity is on the rise in every other country in the world? Particularly the assemblies of God. Charismatic denominations are growing. While the Methodists are ordaining transsexuals, Other churches who actually read the Bible are growing. God's up to something with the sanctity of the Bible and the churches that believe it are growing. God's up to something. Did you know that even the church you're sitting in right now has grown 67% since last June? The American average for fast church growth is 5%. So God's up to something. It's not an ideology, it's just theology that God has sent, saved us, so we're sent. But I get it though, it seems like, it seems daunting. It seems, it seems like how are we going to, to make it through this? How are we going to, especially this month, how are we going to make it through this for such a time as this, the church is in the right place at the right time because we are saved and sent. The world needs us. The world needs you. Embracing your identity as a sent one is very important. Now, you and I just can't embrace a sent life when the gospel climate feels good. We're like, oh, they're ready for the gospel. Let's go. No. The church went into into countries, into worlds, and spread like wildfire after Acts chapter 2. They weren't scared about where they were going. In fact, some of them, they went there, and they weren't even invited they went there and brought the gospel to people who didn't want it. It sounds like shirts and sibilo to me. People who don't want it are going to see the Jesus in you at the pool, at the HOA meeting, at the PTA, at HEB, wherever you are. They're going to see Jesus in you and be curious why you are the way you are. It opens the door to conversations and most of the people I know most of the people you and I know and encounter in our area of the world do not believe in God or have a negative view of the church of Christianity because they were hurt. And you and I are gonna learn some strategies to put in your toolbox today, but it all starts with this. The opportunity before you and me and our challenge is to meet people where they are on their spiritual journey. That's all. So let's simplify it. Where they are on their journey, our only job is to meet them there. Ask them things like, do you you believe in spiritual things? Ask yourself that too. Do Do they believe in spiritual things? Or have they at least thought of it? Do they believe in God? Do they believe there's an afterlife? Have they ever heard about Jesus? What does the word sin mean to them? And have they ever heard the word salvation before? These are questions you're thinking through while you're talking. But did you know that the work of sharing the gospel or the work of evangelism has moved, has changed from a singular conversation to a years-long multiple conversation approach. Think about the 50s where people stood on a street corner with a bullhorn and said, turn or burn, Jesus saves. People get saved on the curb. Now they laugh at you and put you on their social media page. But people are receiving Jesus because a genuine person met them, cared about them, their family, their dog. Took years. And maybe some of you are sitting here because someone's been inviting you forever and you finally were like, fine, fine. I'll go, I'll go. Guys, I'm so glad that God sent people into my life to save me and maybe that is you that God has brought someone into your life. You didn't just say yes to an invitation, it was God ordained. Here's some helpful hints, helpful tips. Their journey and your journey is not a straight line. You're not gonna meet them today after church and then six weeks later they've gone through a small group and now they're leading a small group. That's not gonna happen. It's not going to happen. Like the journey usually looks like this. It literally looks like that. And the journey changed names a lot. And it, it's kind of like taking Wurzbach Parkway from here and ended up on Starcrest and confused. It's like it's all over the place. But then there's an end destination. There's a, there's a place. God knows what that is. You don't know. But we trust God with the process. We just stay available. That's all. Be bold, but don't be disrespectful. There's a difference between being outspoken and opinionated. Our culture doesn't know the difference. There's a difference between being outspoken and opinionated. You can be bold, but don't be disrespectful. You must always privately pray before these conversations, even if you see them walking down the street. God's literally bringing them to your property line. Just pray in your mind, God, give me the words to say. You can even say things like, God, I've had a rough day. I'm not really in the mood for a conversation. Give me the words to say. Number four, people are more receptive during times of dif- disruption or difficulty. Move close. God sent you to them at that moment. If they're hurting, move close. Number five, if someone's not interested in talking with, about God with you, that doesn't mean you stop talking about what God's done in your own life. Because they'll begin to see that you weren't just fishing, like you you believe this stuff. Number six, you don't got to wait for a hundred percent spiritual interest to share the good news. You just tell them what Jesus did for you, what you were like before you met a man named Jesus, and God sovereignly walked those steps. All all you had to do was say yes, and then Jesus took you from there. It's your story. So let's talk about some ways to be sent ones, how, how we do this. But, but, but before we do it, it's very practical. It's very simple. But before we do it, let me tell you, surveys can't give you truth or rundown on every home and every neighborhood and every HOA or every complexity of every city. But you can at least have your finger on the pulse of the ones you've been sent to. The stats that I just shared with you, I would venture to say that most of you are surprised that 66% of our city does not know God and that Austin knows God more. I bet most of you are very surprised by that stat. I almost threw my computer. I was very surprised. (laughs) But you are uniquely positioned to enter their lives, to help them discover how God is at work in their life, to help take them on that spiritual journey. All it takes is the commitment from you to see people around you to help and discover some things about them so you can be in their life. There's a story in the Bible about, it's called the woman at the well. It's a Samaritan woman at the well. She had been married lots of times, and the guy she's living with, she was just hooking up with, shacking up with. And Jesus knew all this, of course. Uh, he walks up and sees this woman at the well. well. Number one, it was illegal for her to talk to him, and it was legal for him to talk to her from as a Jew and Samaritan. They weren't even allowed to look at each other. Um, Number two, if a rabbi got caught talking to a woman, especially the disgusting Samaritans, he could be flogged um, and possibly put to death. It It was a total out of line thing Jesus did. Not only does Jesus start talking to her, he tells the disciples, leave us alone, go buy food. Now there was no office doors closed or anything like that. It was out in the open at the well. But still, the disciples come back and they're like, Jesus, are you hungry? And he's like, I have food to eat you know not of. And they're like, oh, come on. We just went and spent all this money and walked all that way. And Jesus begins to talk to them because they turn around and see this woman walking up with hundreds of people. Jesus told her at the well, I can give you water that will, you'll never be thirsty again. Meaning like there, there is a hole in your soul and you're trying to fill it with all of these guys and all, and all of this mess, and the guy you're living with right now isn't even your husband, and he doesn't care about you like you think he does, but there's something in your life that only God can fill, and I can help you with that. Right about then, she runs, and he tells her all this stuff about her life, and she runs off and says, come and see the man that told me everything I ever did. So she brings all these people from the city. They're walking up. Right about the time the disciples are there, they're like, what's going on? What happened while we were gone? And then Jesus begins to tell him, like, my food is to do the, one of, do the will of the one who sent me. What if Jesus had his Jerusalem pods on and he's just <laughs> walking by? What if he just was followed the rules? What if he stayed in his home, stayed in his garage? What if? An entire city came to Jesus. The Samaritan woman became one of the first recorded evangelists because she had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And then Jesus said, I have been sent. You have been sent. He then says in John 4, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for the harvest. See, when they, when they see the harvest, it changed the disciples' perspective. They weren't interested in the McDonald's they had just bought. They were wondering who all these people were. So let me ask you this question. Who do you see? Who do you see? Like even if you close your eyes right now and thought, like who, who's coming to your mind? Is there maybe even right now in this moment? Go ahead and try it. Everybody close your eyes. Do you see someone's face? Are you hearing a name? Maybe you're seeing the house that they live in, or maybe you're seeing their empty cubicle, or, or like you, who do you see? Who walks their dog by your house every day at the same time? Who do you keep, quote unquote, randomly running into at the grocery store? Who sits next to you at your kids' sports events and PTA functions? No, everybody look at me. Are you too distracted in your life to see these people? What is preventing you from really seeing people around you? What is preventing you? I think sometimes it's just simple schedule. Sometimes it's we've made ourselves too busy. There's lots of reasons. And sometimes it's just we've done things for so long in a certain way, we got to shake it up a little bit. And so there's one time I I get a text from Jordan Johnston. He's right right there by Jordan. He loves it when everyone stares at him. So Jordan was like, hey, we're grilling stuff in the front yard. I'm like... (coughs) That was the most audacious thing I ever heard, I love it. What do you want us to bring? He like wheeled out his Weber grill and put it in the driveway, moved some cars around, brought a cooler, set out a bunch of lawn chairs and all the kids' bikes and all stuff, and we were just hanging out in the front yard. And I know in today's culture we're like, what? But back then everyone had front porches, it was too hot to be in your house. So everybody hung out on the porch. We just literally sat down at Jordan and Brittany's house in the front yard and grilled stuff and hung out and saw people walking by and waved at everybody and got us out of the house. People saw us there. There's like, shake it up a little bit. You never know what's gonna turn into those, what those moments will turn into, but what is preventing you from seeing people around you? And honestly, there's a lot of people living right next to you that are very, very, very lonely. I just read the report from the United States Surgeon General. It's about a 400 page report on the new pandemic. Literally, like legalized verbiage, the United States is in a new pandemic. And I know, it's exhausting. But guess what? For this one, you don't have to wear a mask. In fact, they encourage you not to wear one. The United States Surgeon General has said that the new pandemic that is killing more Americans than fentanyl is loneliness. Loneliness. An entire government report that came out this year on loneliness Loneliness is more than just a bad feeling. It harms society and that person and the people they love. Loneliness is associated, since it was a Surgeon General, there's all these health stats. Loneliness is associated with a greater risk of cardiovascular disease, dementia, stroke, depression, Alzheimer's, anxiety, and premature death. The mortality impact of being socially disconnected is very similar to destroying yourself with substances. And even greater than that, the the association of obesity and physical inactivity is linked to loneliness. And the harmful consequences of a society that lacks social connection can be felt in our schools. It can be felt in our workplaces, our civil government and organizations. Where performance, productivity, and engagement are diminished, loneliness is at the bedrock. You're like, well, I'm not lonely. Think about, when's the last time you had a conversation with somebody that knew you and knew things about you? last time you had a conversation with somebody where they were asking you things about you, or are you one of those people that, while they're talking about them, you're thinking of a better way to one-up them? Because our insecurity can't let someone else talk. We have to be thinking about what we need to say next think about the last time you left a conversation and you couldn't wait to do it again. I had one of those recently, and no one ever told us it'd be really hard to make friends as an adult. Because I can't just walk over to Kevin Bertram's house and go, wanna play, Kevin? Wave at everybody, Kevin. He's on the back row in a cowboy hat. Kevin, you wanna come out and play, buddy? Let's go. Wanna ride bikes together, Kevin? I guess I could. He'd say no, especially if I said it like that. You want to wear a matching shirt? This is getting worse. Never mind, never mind. (laughs) I can't do that. But no one ever said, like, it would be this hard. And I found myself in a pretty isolated, lonely place. And it was interesting because I'm around hundreds of people a week. And you would think that that wouldn't be the case. But I found out, and I was talking to some of you guys out in the lobby before, and the service is switching out, that I found out my relationships were like a mile wide and an inch deep. And because of past betrayal, I wouldn't let people in. There was like a marker that they were only allowed to get to. And I Heismaned everybody. They weren't allowed in. But it looked good. And I began to wonder like, what that was doing to my life. And all of the stats that the Surgeon General gave were when I was at my most lonely. I was the most depressed, the most overweight. I was 40 pounds heavier than I am now. When I was at that stage of my life, my schedule was a wreck. I was mad at the kids, yelling at Kelly all the time, yelling at my grass, (laughs) yelling at my dog. Yeah, literally one time I got so mad because I put my key in the mailbox and the key lock wouldn't work. I'm like, go, it figures. The government can't even give me a key that works. I was like 32 years old, acting like I was a 98-year-old that had the right to talk like that. Guys, I came down to a place where I had to step out and do something about it. I had to step out and do something about it. It was hard. It was hard. Especially if I was sitting there and someone's telling me, you're saved and sent. I'm like, well, God's not sending anybody to me. When we're at that lonely place, we flip it and we're like, God's not doing that for me. You're here. He did do that for you. You're here. You're here. In 2020 alone, 47% of Americans said they belonged to a church. Now, this was February 2020, so pre-COVID, said they belonged to a church, synagogue, or mosque. That's down from 70% in 1999. That represents for the first time in American history that we have statistically proven we are no longer a Christian country. When we have people taking pictures on the White House lawn and their sin is celebrated by those highest up in our government, we are no longer a Christian country. Remember I told you that loneliness does something to our bodies that, not, that substances do also? Look at this uh, graphic. The lo- this, was, this is a screenshot. All I did was get out my iPhone, literally took a picture of it, and sent it to the team. So I put this on the screens. Loneliness is like smoking 15 cigarettes a day what it does to your body. 15 cigarettes a day. A 2018 Cygna study said two out of five adults say they always feel, always feel that their relationships have no meaning. 50% of adults claim they don't have any meaningful in-person interaction. I was there too. Now studies do show that men are actually more lonely than women. They just lie about it to the surveyor. The stat was over 70% of men said they don't have one friend they could call. Seven out of 10 of you men in this room don't know who you would call if you needed someone to talk to. That was me. My phone has like 4,800 contacts in it. Church playing, you get a lot of phone numbers. I was sitting there, I'm like, I don't, I don't know who I would call. I began to do something about it. And even in fact, just recently I did something about it because you sink back into old patterns, right? Like, you, like how many of you could drive home with your eyes closed and your car knows where to go? Like that's what our brains do. We know exactly where to drive, exactly where to go. And our brains go there automatically. It's a rut that our mind has created. If you want to learn more about that, go back and listen to an old sermon series we did called Holy Noticing. We talked all about the mind's pathways and how the physiological matches the spiritual. It was a nine-week sermon series on it. Go back and listen to it. But we get in these ruts, and I was in one of those ruts, and I was like, nobody's calling me, Kelly. And Kelly has all these lady friends. They're always texting, laughing. She'll be on her phone and go, ha, 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 ha. And I'm like, oh, you got another text message from all your buddies. And I'm like, how nice. Kelly has like some really good friends. And I was like, I just don't have that. And I was like, I'm trying to figure this out. And so I said, you know what? I'm gonna do something about it. And I just shook off the, this might not work or they're gonna say no feeling. And I I got a hold of some buddies that pastor churches in town, uh, in the San Antonio area that, you know, I knew enjoyed a good cigar. Now, before you judge me, Better than cigarettes. <laughs> also, if you like cigars, let me know. <laughs> so I just sent out a text and I was like, hey, anybody wanna go to 1911 in Cibolo on Friday at one o'clock? And this dude was like, I'm there. Another dude was like, I gotta cancel two appointments, but I'll be there. Another guy was like, um, I'm gonna ask my wife if we can do something at three instead of one, I'll be there. And I was like, oh, dang. It was like, for, they're coming now I have to go <laughs> and we showed up and we had like meaningful conversation and I told Kelly I was like it's, it's been a long time since I've had a meaningful conversation with someone I'm not pastoring and it's different and it it mad like that I left energized and excited after that conversation who's around you It's not rocket science, folks. Like, we were created on purpose for a purpose. And you know what happened at the end of that that gathering when we were done and we all had things to go do? This guy said, I'm not leaving here until we put the next one on the calendar. What is God up to with those around you? Because we were created on purpose for a purpose. And guess what? If you're wondering about battling loneliness yourself, The prescription for those you're sent to is the same prescription for you. Take a step in the natural and God will supernaturally do what only he can do. If no one's coming over to your house, it's because you've not invited anyone over to your house. If you don't have any like lunch appointments with somebody or even quick little coffees or something, what are you doing to step out and make that a reality yourself? Because that is the prescription for all of us. So ask yourself this question about those you live around. What are the the needs of those that live around me? Physical, emotional, spiritual, what are those needs? And what are the primary interests and hobbies of those around me? If you buy the book and read it, you'll find that there's a chapter in there to which the author states they started a workout group in their neighborhood. And it got so big they had to move the workout group from their living room to the school parking lot. And the news found out about it. And it turned into this whole thing where multiple HOAs around the city had workout groups. And the only reason they started it was because they felt like God told them to build connection with their neighbors. And now hundreds of people have connection with their neighbors. Who knows? You don't go into I'm not saying that, that has to happen to you. That's up to God. You just got to take a step. And I know we're a few months away from small groups because you, if God gives you an answer, like, hey, I want to start a men's group where we, where we hang out um, and smoke cigars, by the way, I'll be there. <laughs> Number two, if God gives you that idea, put it in your pocket, save it for the fall semester. That's not an accident God gave you that idea. Do something about it. So you might, maybe he... Let me ask you this question. How might you gather people this week? This week, in the next seven days? I'm not talking about a long ways off. I'm talking about right now. Right now. Gather some people. Like, you don't have to, like, design a flyer and plan this big thing and spend a ton of money and hire a cleaner for your house. Your neighbors don't want to see your house clean anyway. They want to see that you're human. Just invite people over and, you know, Just pick up the dirty laundry and throw the trash away and clean the toilet. That's all you got to do. Make sure it doesn't smell bad. Put the cats away. No one likes them like you do, they all hate them. They just like you too much to tell you cats are demonic. That's all. Take a step, take a step forward. And I know we're being funny and I, and I love hanging out and laughing with you guys, but guys, the truth is there's a lot of people around you that are lonely and a lot of people sitting right next to you today that probably are. And one of the keys to them meeting Jesus is to have a connection with you. It'll change their life forever. It'll change their life forever. Like, Landon, I don't, I don't know like what, what I'm good at. What do you like to do? Do you like to go fishing? Just do that with people. I'm not telling you to go learn a new hobby. I'm just telling you to do what you like to do already. Invite people into something because they might just change their whole calendar to be there with you because they've been begging and asking God for genuine relationship and God's putting it on your heart right now to talk to them. That's how God works. So think about who you're gonna talk to this week. Might be something simple like you you plan hot dogs on 4th of July or, or you say, hey, like if, if we do the meat and drinks, will you bring sides and dessert? We're just gonna hang out Friday and we're gonna pull the Weber girl out into the parking lot and we're gonna Texas this thing. Bring your favorite tank top and your lawn chair. It's not complicated. Invite somebody. So if you're battling from loneliness yourself, this is what's gonna help. And if you've, if you've been taking the role of the victim and feeling like no one has it as hard as you do, and you bought into the lie that Satan feeds you, that no one wants to be around you and you've engaged in self-pity, when the temptation comes for you to sit by yourself and wallow in your own feelings, rather than step forward and overcome it by doing something, we're gonna pray courage over you here in just a little bit, but the devil would love it if you would keep that gift in you silent and keep that face God gave you away from people and keep you on your phone and keep you in your house. Because if he does that, you won't affect anyone's life for Christ and then your life will suffer as well. Look at Galatians 6, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Get in people's boat like Christ did. Look at Philippians 2, don't let selfishness and prideful agenda take over. And prideful doesn't always mean You're better than people. It means thinking more of yourself than you should. And a lot of times our depression is definition prideful. The more we look at ourselves, the bigger our problem gets. Around the church, we call it navel gazing. If you just stare at your problem all the time, then you can't see where to go or who you're around. And people in our country don't look up. I saw it in the airport. I ran into hundreds of people staring at their phone. They just ran right into me. They don't know where they're going a lot of us do that emotionally and spiritually we're just running into stuff and we're wondering why God keeps letting us run into stuff but we're not looking up who is around you remember what it said in Matthew look up and see the harvest is ripe and ready he, Jesus first said look up look up and see I don't know about you when I look at the ground I'm like cool ground it's ugly there's nothing to see and you stare at the same problem. And the more you stare at a problem, the bigger it gets. But if you look up and see what God's up to, then you're able to pick that problem up and hand it to him because you're looking up. But if you're looking down, you just stare at the problem and massage the problem. The problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we medicate it with all this mess. We get lonely, depressed, anxious. Our, Our physical health suffers. Our spirit man gets silent. Look up. Who do you see? Embrace true humility and lift your heads to extend love to others. Go beyond yourselves and protecting your own interests. Be secure and or be sincere and secure your neighbors' interests first. That's the scripture, guys. Put it on the screen, please. Be sincere and secure your neighbors' interest first. They go first. Now that sounds totally backwards. It sounds totally backwards. That if there's a problem with your, like if you have pain, what do we do? We medicate the pain. We put like antibacterial on it, Band-Aid on it, whatever. But it's interesting that when we're talking about this, God says, don't stare at yourself. Don't navel gaze. Embrace true humility. Humility that there might be other people around you I've sent you to. Lift your heads to extend love to others. Go beyond yourself. Start protecting your own schedule and your own interests. Be sincere and secure your neighbor's interest first. Has anyone ever read that before? It's a powerful verse. This is supernatural. When you take a natural step into fulfilling the law of Christ, you look up and see who's in front of you. You'll never look around and see no one with you again. And some of you, it's your first time and you're like, why did so many people say hello to me? Well, it's not that we trained them to do that. We don't have a church training night. It's the culture of the church. Why? Because we've been saved from something and we want you to know that you matter. And we were lonely once and now our schedules are full. We were depressed once and now there's joy. doesn't mean there's not problems. It just means there's joy. We chose joy in the problem. We want you to have that too. That's why. But a church full of people whose lives haven't been changed is cold. you're, You're in a place where people realize that someone was sent to them to save them and now they're sent to save others. Amen? Everybody stand to your feet. Prayer partners, go ahead and come on down. Who do you see? And what are you going to do about it? We go into right now what we call response time at the church. Response time is simply that. You respond to the gospel. You're responding to the gospel. You're responding to the word. And some of you, you're battling loneliness. You need to come down and get prayer that God would give you an idea to change that part of your life. Some of you are battling depression you need to come up and have someone pray with you. Some of you, you knew Jesus before and you walked away from the faith. Now's your time to come up and ask one of these trusted prayer partners. Say, hey, I've walked away from the faith. Will you pray for me? And they'll pray a prayer of faith with you. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today is your day. Someone was sent to you. That's why you're here. Someone was sent to you. And It's amazing how God takes our lives and turns it into a testimony when we do what he says. The Bible actually works. So someone was sent to you, and if you've never made the conscious adult decision to surrender yourself and make Jesus the Lord of your life, then all you got to do is come down to one of these people and say, I'm ready for Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I'm ready to be saved. Because, guys, the gospel is you're a bad Savior. You're not good at it. I'm not good at it. There's no good behavior you could do to make God love you more. He loves you a lot, but he has already paid the penalty for your sin. All you have to do is accept that payment. It's almost like if someone said, I wanna pay off your home and you're like, no, I'd rather pay it for 29 more years. You'd be crazy to do that. And right now, if you've not received Jesus, you're separated from God. But what the blood of Jesus does is it puts you in right relationship with God. That's what righteous means. It just means in right relationship. It doesn't mean perfect or holy. And your sins have separated you from a God that created you on purpose for a purpose. And his heart is broken when he sees his child separated from him. And he has made a way, he has created a bridge to get back to relationship with him. And that is through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ and you can receive Jesus today, and your family tree will change forever. And then you'll be sent, and God will use you to help others. If you need prayer for anything at all, even if it's physical healing, your marriage, finances, whatever, anything that's bothering you, they're here for that. Come and receive prayer. There's communion tables on the sides. Um, Come and receive communion. They will say your, uh, your sins are forgiven take this body, take this blood of Jesus and remember the cross of Christ. What a beautiful thing. So that's the way we end our service every single time. We wanna give you a chance to respond because what what we do up here is not performance. This is simply equipping and encouragement and you gotta take a step forward. Take a step forward today. So let's all close our eyes and just lift lift your hands or hold your hands out and just kind of set the environment, set the tone. God, your ways are better. Your ways are better. We're so grateful, Lord, for the cross of Christ. Holy Spirit, thank you for leading me into this room today to hear a message my soul needed. Now may I respond in a way that moves me a step closer, a step forward, a step in the right direction and any confusion or any resistance that the devil's throwing our way, we cancel his plans and we say, we are going to take a step forward in the natural and God will supernaturally meet me here. That the Holy Spirit is here and God wants to do business in my life. God, thank you for bringing me to a loving, caring place where I could take a step forward in you. Whether that's through prayer or communion, worship, all three, whatever it is, God, give us boldness to respond to your word today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. You're now dismissed to come receive prayer, communion, uh, and worship. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing at thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.